Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Amen. Let's just, uh, let's give God thanks. Let's just take a moment just to put something in your mind and thank God for this morning. Just make it tangible, make it something that you're actually really grateful for, to Him for right now. Let's just take a moment. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And if you believe that God is good no matter what, you can say amen this morning. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome, church. I don't want to be. I'm just going to. Daz, I'm sorry I'm going to mess with your OCD, but I don't want to be in the way of the scriptures. So sorry about that. (laughs) All right. Well, um, we're going to go to Acts chapter 8 this morning. And uh, if you. Um, we might even throw up, if you missed the coffee order, we can throw that up for a bit because I just want to duck back to chapter 7 for a moment. If you didn't listen, if you weren't here last week, I really want to encourage you to get a hold of the podcast. I listened to Phoebe McKenzie from last week and it was a cracker, a really powerful word, don't look out, look up. And she was talking obviously about Stephen and uh, it was profound and it was deep and it was amazing. Um, I just want to look back at that for a second uh, one of the things that, because she just covered so much and Daz covered so much with the practicalities of it, but one of the things was that Stephen, he looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This is um, the only place in Scripture that it says, and actually says twice in this passage, that Jesus was standing at the right hand of the Father. Everywhere else, it says that he sat, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And so scholars have kind of um, talked about this in a few different ways. And uh, some say that when you sit, you have, well, you sat to teach, you sat because you had authority, Um, you sat also because you rest. So these are all the images that we get of Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father because he has authority, because he's entered into the rest, he's accomplished what he came to do. So now he is seated as he intercedes on our behalf. He sits in the place of judgment. But the other thing is, um, is that when he stood, he stood because he was uh, accused when he wasn't um, guilty. He stood before the, um, the Jews. He stood before Pilate. When he stood, he was standing accused of something that he didn't do. And so when he's standing and Stephen's looking up at him rather than looking out at the crowd, he's seeing someone who knows what he's going through. He sees someone who's standing on his behalf and saying, I've got you, Stephen. I've got you through this. And not only that, that he is standing there and he's saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And so I just want to encourage you all with that today, that it's the audience of one that we live for, that we die for. It's the audience of one. We don't, like Phoebe said, we don't look out, we look up. And his face, his expression is the only one that matters to us. So let's head on in to Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And it says, and Saul approved of their killing him. Now, obviously, um, chapters and verses didn't come in until 1154 AD or something like that. So it seems like a really weird way to start a chapter. But you're going to see why in the next chapter. Spoiler alert for next week. And Saul approved of their killing him. Something is going to happen there. And then it says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men 
and women and put them in prison. Can I just grab my phone, Daz? I just need to make sure I don't go over time. Um, <clears throat> okay, so persecution broke out. I just want to, like every time I read about persecution, I just want to ask you, are you ready? Are you ready? If persecution broke out in Australia, and Phoebe talked a little bit about that last week, but I'm talking now about godly men and women drag, being dragged from house to house. Are you ready? Um, the, the biggest example that I have of this in a Western context is when I was in high school, I was when the Columbine shootings happened. Does anyone remember that horrific um, time? And I think it was Michael W. Smith wrote a song about that. A girl was asked point blank, will you renounce Jesus um, by a teenager who was um, gunning people down? And she said, I will not. And he shot her there and then. And I always wondered as a teenager, would I do that? Is that something that I would, would I stand? Would I be able to make it? And I think it's a question we need to ask ourselves constantly. Am I ready to die for you, Jesus? Because that's what happened. And that's what's actually happening all over the world. Am I ready to face whatever I need to face for you, Jesus? And so I just want to encourage you. Feel encouraged with that question this morning. Um, now, he, Saul, obviously, like he's not just killing men, he's dragging women out of their homes. He's dragging children out of their homes. I want you to get a picture of who Saul is. Because in the next chapter, spoiler alert, no, nah, not telling you, come back next week and find out who he becomes and who God can use. Who God can use. Okay, so the fact that godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, you, sh- you weren't allowed to bury those who had been executed, but that was their own form of protest was burying them. Um, And then it says in verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Now, um, Acts 1.8 says, go into all the world. And we don't actually know if they would have gone into all the world unless they'd been hunted. And so we know that God has a plan through everything. You know, if I were these people and I'm giving my life to Jesus and then I'm being persecuted because of it and I'm being scattered, I'd be thinking, God, what are you doing? But God has a plan in the midst of it to spread his gospel. He always has a plan to use every single thing for good. And so he's spreading, they're spreading the gospel. Verse 6, when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. That's a freaky scene right there. Um, If you've ever been in a meeting or a gathering or a country where you've seen deliverance from evil spirits, it's real and it's freaky. What I love about this passage is it doesn't say that Philip was the one shrieking. (laughs) Philip just was taking authority over these impure spirits and saying, get out in the name of Jesus. And it was the impure spirits who were shrieking. That's the authority that we have. In the name of Jesus, evil has to go, darkness has to go, and away they went. And uh, paralyzed and lame were healed, so there was great joy in that city. Then the next heading is Simon the sorcerer. Now, I just want to say these two um, headings, the previous one, the stoning of Stephen, Simon the sorcerer, not passages to preach from if you've got a list, but that's probably the first thing to note. Um, but it says, now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great and all the people both high and low gave their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. Ooh, yes, that's right, yes. Ooh. Um, so here we have a man and, and, and he is performing miracles and they are miracles. 
and he's gathering a crowd. And I just want to tell you that if you're not using the power of God, there's only two powers that you're using. And so he's using the power of Satan or the power of darkness. And so I just want to encourage you, church. You know, there's things that we might feel like we can dabble in and, and, and you know, it's okay. Like I read my horoscopes or I, I, you know, go to the tarot card reader or whatever. And, oh, it's okay. Like, it's just a bit of fun. I just want to let you know that that is not the power of God that's being used there. And there's only two powers accessible. And that's the power of God and the power of darkness. So I just want to encourage you. I, I would just stay away from all that stuff. Um, I remember when I was a kid or a teenager, every teenager in the room, close your ears. But we went to, like, we were having a few drinks at a friend's place. And, um, and, and then we went to the cemetery that was just up the road from there. And they were like, let's have a seance, let's have a seance. And even in my state that I was in at that time, I knew that I did not want anything to do with that. And not, none, like, not the least, because actually my father was buried in that cemetery but I was like I was out of there they could do what they wanted but I did want no part of that and I just want to encourage you teenagers adults anything like party whatever hey it's fun no steer clear completely and uh, and renounce it if you've been a part of it renounce it in the name of Jesus and then that's it okay you don't need to go on a 40-day fast and and have a regurgitation or something like that no just renounce it in the name of Jesus done dusted power of the cross you're good Okay, um, Okay. so then uh, they followed him because he had amazed them, verse 11, for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptised both men and women. Simon himself believed, the guy who, the sorcerer, Simon the sorcerer, believed and was baptised. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Um, we heard from an Austrian couple at state conference last week and Daz and I got the opportunity to have breakfast with them. Well, they're not Austrian. She's English, he's Italian, but they've got a heart for Austria. So they've planted 14 churches in Austria where there are no other evangelical churches. Or I think there's three in the nation of 14 million and the rest are Catholics, um, but not charismatic Catholics, not born-again Catholics, Catholics who are just steeped in religion and uh, worship of um, tradition. And so um, the older generation are going, this religion hasn't worked for us and they're hungering for spiritual things and so they're going after new age kind of practices and there's a bunch of new age festivals in Vienna and everywhere that they go. So what this couple do, they set up a tent and put a big sign out the front, miracles, signs and wonders and they have people come in and they pray for them and tell them about the power of God and they see healings and miracles take place and tell them about the gospel and uh, so that is really exciting. Um, Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Let's just pause for a moment because we know that um, everyone knows the story of the good Samaritan. And so we kind of think of that as a really good person. But let's not forget that Jesus used the good Samaritan as a person that uh, that no one would recognize as a good person, Samaritan person. Again, don't have a lisp when you're reading this scripture. Um, The good Samaritan. He, the, the saying would have been the only good Samaritan is a dead Samaritan. But he's Philip because he's been persecuted in Samaria preaching the gospel. And now Peter and John are going to them as well. It says, verse 15, when they arrived, they pray for the new believers that there might be, that the new believers there, that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a tricky passage 
in some ways and not in others. Tricky because, well, does that mean that they believed in Jesus and they received him, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit? No, I don't believe that's what it means. I believe that every single person who believes in Jesus gives their life to him, receives the Holy Spirit immediately. I believe that's what Scripture says. And um, I've got a bunch of cousins that are not in the Pentecostal tradition. They actually don't believe in speaking in tongues. Um, They don't believe in the subsequent baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do I believe that they are followers of Jesus? And do I believe that they have the Holy Spirit? 100%. They're more led by the Holy Spirit than any of you mob in this place. (laughs) They they never gossip. And you guys, you're rotten. (laughs) No, absolutely not. You're the best. You're way better than them. <laughs> no, so this is the, this is the um, question of subsequence, that, that there's a subsequent expression of the Holy Spirit that comes at baptism. Now, I fully believe in this. I'll just let you know, and, and our doctrinal statement says the same. But there's a wide variety of thought in the room. So it's not something I'm going to get hung up on, and it's not something I'd ever go to, into battle for. I'd just say that we're all, we all receive the Holy Spirit when we follow Jesus. And then I believe that there's a subsequent baptism of the Holy Spirit that then you um, can speak in tongues. That's the sign of it because it says here that they knew that they had not yet received him because that something had not happened. And as we read through the book of Acts, the sign is that people start to speak in tongues. Now, if anyone ever felt superior because they speak in tongues, I would kneecap them. That's a ridiculous thought. No one's superior in the kingdom of God where it's us and Jesus us and Jesus. There's no superiority. This platform is high, I understand. But seriously, like put me on the floor, put me on my face on the floor. I don't want any kind of superiority. It's us and it's Jesus. So there's no superiority there, having the Holy Spirit or not having the Holy Spirit whatsoever. So um, they receive the Holy Spirit now. Simon, because here we have Simon the sorcerer, Simon the sorcerer, who is attuned to spiritual things, right? He's been called the great power of God. He has this idea of spirituality and this sensitivity to spirituality. And it says in verse 18, when Simon saw that the spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered the money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. He wants this. He's used to having the power as it relates to spiritual things. And anyone who wants power as it relates to spiritual things is in big trouble and needs to be aware because God will take you down is what I believe. He is the one who has the power as it relates to spiritual things. And we are just the ones who receive that power for his purposes. And so if we ever think that we have power and it's my healing ministry and I'm amazing, I want to be really careful because I think that God will sort that out. Um, So verse 20, Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. It's a great pastoral conversation. And I've just singled out a few of you that I need to have a similar conversation with after church. So you just come out the front. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Now, it doesn't say what happened next. But I reckon that they prayed for him. <laughs> if, if anyone says, can you pray, I repent, I reckon they would have been prayed for. But the Bible's in headlines and so then it moves on. So right now, we're going to take reflection time, five minutes. And, um, and I want you to think about that. I want you to think about, but I want to leave you with something. And maybe you want to discuss it around your table, I'm not sure. Um, but I want to leave you with something and that is simply, do you hunger for everything that the Holy Spirit has for you? 
Do you hunger for everything that the Holy Spirit has for you? Or are you like, having been saved and following Jesus, I'm, I'm happy now and I'm good, God, and I don't want to ask for anything else? Because I want to wonder if you can stir up hunger for everything that God has for you. When people ask me about the gift of the Holy Spirit of speaking in tongues, which is a prayer language that I don't understand, but it's like a bat phone straight from me to God that bypasses my natural understanding, which is excellent because I'm very distractible. That, and when I don't know what to pray, that I can pray in tongues. To me, that is an awesome gift and I want it and I want to utilise it. And I want everything that God's got for me. So I just want you to ask yourself and maybe ask the table, have you settled rather than um, being hungry for everything that God has for you. And I wonder if you want to be hungry for what God has for you. I don't want to, I was praying about this. I don't want to call you down the front for me to pray for you this morning. I want you to pray. I want you to go home. I want you to ask God for this gift. And I want you to begin in faith to open your mouth and speak out and see what happens. And then I want you to tell me about it at some point. Win, lose, draw, whatever it looks like. I just want you to have a crack. I'd love that. Start to bring your attention back. The person that just just hogged that conversation, just give them a death stare right now. If you didn't get to speak and one person spoke the whole time, just shake your head at them. <laughs> Okay, just no condemnation. Okay, let's go to verse, where were we? 25. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. So this is a precursor to what we're going to have a couple of chapters later. It's only gone out to the Jewish Jews so far, but now it's gone out to the Samaritan Jews. And so it's like the word of God is beginning to spread thanks to persecution. And it says in verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. Your version might say Candace. It says this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So he is an Ethiopian eunuch uh, in the courts, but he is a God-fearer. So he is, um, scholars were kind of saying that um, if you were an Ethiopian, like if you were not a Jew and you were circumcised and worshipped God, then you were called a proselyte. But if you were an, if you were a God-fearer who didn't get circumcised, then you were just called a God-fearer. That's what you were called. And they didn't know which Philip was, I mean, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch was, who doesn't have a name. But I, I was trying to work that out. And we're not going to go there. Okay, cool. Um, Okay, so uh, on his way home, was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. Now, I just want to, just let's pause for a second on this scene. So the Lord has told Philip to go a certain way. And he comes along that way and then the Spirit of God tells him to go and stand near that that chariot so that he can hear this man reading a passage of Scripture. If we are attentive, God will show us where where He is already at work in the lives of people and He will take us there. He will um, bring us right alongside hearts that He is already preparing. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like speaking up about anything God is like diving off a diving board into a swimming pool that is empty and concrete. Does anyone else feel like that? I've begun to change the way that I look at things and I'm looking now for where God is already at work. And, uh, and we're going to be doing some work on that um, as a church as, it, as we head into the new year, uh, recognising where God is already at work. Now, God made it really plain to Philip and I believe that God will make it really clear to us if we're open. And uh, so he says, do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. What are the chances? He could have been reading and, and King Ahaz decimated all the priests of whatever. But he, he's reading this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before he, its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? Uh, and, and so clearly what's happened along here, as, as he's explained the good news about Jesus at some point, he's decided to put his trust in him and then um, Philip's told him about baptism and the eunuch said, well, look, here's some water. Can I do a bomb in that? Dunk me right now. And, and, and so another question for us here, like what's standing in the way of you getting baptised? If you haven't yet been baptised, what is standing in the way? This um, Ethiopian eunuch just went, I can see a body of water right there. That looks good enough to me. I've just heard about Jesus. Here we go. If that's what I've got to do to be obedient, let me at it. And yet so much stops us. I don't really understand or, 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 or I'm a bit embarrassed or, um, you know, it seems like there's no turning back. Yes, absolutely. That's the whole point of being baptised. It's a no turning back moment. Um, well, maybe I'm not really ready. I don't think the Ethiopian eunuch was really ready. He's just like, let me at it. What is standing in the way of you being baptised? And I, I love, you know, my... My 83-year-old grandfather, um, he was a Christian for as long as he could remember. And my mum and dad, they went to a, um, they grew up in a traditional church. They'd been infant baptised, but then they heard about adult baptism and immersion and how it was scriptural. So they went and told my granddad, and at 83 in the Lachlan River, he got baptised. This strong man who was so tall, ex-farmer, and he went down into the waters of baptism and dunked in that filthy water. And uh, it was awesome. And it says, verse 38, he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Like, like, no, what the heck? I'm just going to go on my way rejoicing. (laughs) Like, this is an amazing experience. And do you know what the main religion in Ethiopia is today? It is Christianity. And, and, and it stems and, and they, they, they put it, they give their credit to this moment here. You don't know where God is at work unless you stay attuned to the voice of the Spirit. And then when you listen to where God is at work and follow that leading, you don't know what God's going to do with that down the track. And he can do anything with it. And, and Philip, you know, he, he's gone. He's out of there. He doesn't need to get the credit. He doesn't need to be the Ethiopian evangelist who has the ministry of um, saving souls across Ethiopia. No, he just empowers this guy. And away they go. It's so exciting. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus, which is 30 miles away, and travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. 
Now, Daz and I used to do a lot of travel. We still do a bit, but not as much as we used to. Every fortnight we used to travel here. Daz would get home about 10 o'clock Friday night. We'd jump in the car. Um, if we had money, we'd sleep in Mullally Pub. If we didn't, we'd sleep in the back of the Mazda hatchback that we had. And I can't tell you the number of times that we prayed to get translated <laughs> from wherever we were home because we were dead tired. I used to make up games to keep us awake. One was that if it was a full moon, I'd turn the lights off on the road. Um, Daz did not appreciate that game. Um, we hit five, no, five, five roos in five su- subsequent trips in the Mazda. Um, <laughs> the Mazda is no more, I, <laughs> but it was a tank. Look, we prayed so many times about this. Like, like you might be thinking, come on, Brian, tell me, you don't believe this. Teleportation. Tele- Philip was teleported. Um, you know what? 100% believe it. <laughs> God can do anything. Like, God can literally do anything. I've prayed to be teleported, never have. But um, you know what? I... 100%. It's not, this isn't the only place that it occurs in the Word of God. Back in the Old Testament, um, a guy called Elijah uh, ended up in a different place than he was meant to be. Um, i got no problem. I think God can do anything. Uh, why? Don't know. <laughs> why not me? Really don't know. Um, but I totally believe he can do it. One time, I will give you one testimony. And if you think I'm a weirdo, it's fine. Uh, I was on my farm, teenager, and I was out walking one night. I used to walk at night a lot. And if a car came, I'd just jump the fence and hide behind a tree in the paddock. Like it would be late at night, like midnight and stuff. And I just loved being out there by myself and the stars and everything. And I just felt the presence of God as a teenager. And um, I just started running. <laughs> yeah, this is a weird story, okay? Everyone's got a weird God story. This is mine. And I just started running legit, like I ran fast. Now, if you know me, you know I only run if someone's chasing me and I still have the option to play dead if I want to. Um, like I literally ran, like I reckon I would have outrun a chariot. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying I ran from like maybe here to Coles like that and I stopped and I wasn't puffing and I was just like, I just got from there to there running like that. How did that happen? And I just laughed and continued on my way, went on my way rejoicing and that was it. Okay, that's my weird God story. Was I teleported? No. Did I outrun a chariot? Probably. Um, was a chariot there? No. <laughs> Can I test it? No. Is there any proof? No. And was I dreaming? No. <laughs> um, so I just want to encourage you, like, the supernatural doesn't need to have rhyme or reason to it. Um, God will be kind to us and love us through his supernatural Holy Spirit at times. And I just, like, I'd love us as a church to be open to that. Not to be, like, just you know, for the sake of the manifestation, we always want to seek the giver of the gift, not the gift itself. But let's just be open to what he might do. Let's just acknowledge that he's a dad who loves us and wants to bless his children in various ways. And so, look, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still conservative. I'm, I'm not interested in really, but I'm finding that God is doing more and more weird things in my life and I'm open and I'm taking that step forward and I'm going to stop there before I say something that you all go, what the heck was that? Okay, praise the Lord. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.